Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals and entrepreneurs about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business using live events. Whether you're running community meetups or conferences, trade shows, and other events, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. We want you to get more attendees, produce epic events, make more money, and most importantly, to do it all with no stress. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's literally no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. It's also super easy to use and you can embed your tickets in your website or you can use our own website builder, which is really simple. We have amazing options to apply all kinds of discounts on all the features you'd expect from a much more expensive system like QR code check-in. Go to eventsframe.com, that's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com for a free, no-risk, one-month trial. Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Helen Nurse, who runs a company called Wonder Adventures, and she runs a children's event and entertainment company, which is interesting. I've never spoken to anyone running a company like this. So Helen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks very much, Dan. So first things first, like where, where are you located? You're, you're in, is it somewhere in northwest of England? That's right, yes. Well, specifically in a village called Lim, which is uh, just part of Warrington. So um, very handily, just on the M6, if anyone knows Junction 20. I've been to Lim for some reason. Are. Is there, a rugby, is there a rugby team there? Uh, in Warrington, there, yeah, rugby league, I believe. No, but I've, I've played rugby union. I'm, I'm from, so I, so I live in Prague. Uh, people that listen to podcasts know, but I'm from Yorkshire, West, West Yorkshire, and I've okay. definitely been to Lim. Oh, Lim, yeah, Lim do rugby union. Yeah, there's quite a big rugby That's club. right, so I've played rugby union in Lim. That's, 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 that's why I, I thought I had, yeah, yeah. Cool. And, and, what, and I guess, it's, is it quite a small village where you live? Yes, it's lovely community village, really gorgeous, got a canal. Um, I would recommend anyone to visit it. <laughs> it's very centrally located, so to do business, it's brilliant because we're literally halfway between Manchester and Liverpool, right on the motorway, so we can literally get anywhere in the UK really easily. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're doing... I run a lot of events in the UK, like hundreds a year, you know, with a company apps events, Google events. And within the north of England, everything's fairly close, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, you've got Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, Bradford. None of it's crazy. You know, even getting to Birmingham is, is, is fine, you know. Just, exactly. to, just like it's once you get into when you've got to go to London, it becomes a nightmare. Just because getting yeah. in and out of London, like, it's just horrible. If you've got to go to Scotland, yeah. it's just a trek. So, you know, like, I, I, if, you, if you can kind of stay focused on the north of England, getting around is pretty easy. I mean, the M62 kind of goes straight across and you've got a few other motorways in it. You know, but um, I, I try to minimize my UK travel. I, yeah. I just go to when absolutely necessary. And I think for, for our business in, in children's events, it's brilliant because there's so many pockets of really like clusters of just families that live yeah. in the north um, that, you know, you don't have to travel very far to get to them. And um, so it's brilliant. And people will travel all across the northwest to go to events with their families. So it's right. great place to be located. So, yeah, I'm, obviously, your company is running children's events. Let's start off with um, a bit about your background. Like, what, what did you, what, like, starting from sort of school and stuff, did you get, have a job first? Have you always worked in this area? Or what, what was your first, what was your kind of first job or whatever after school or college? Well, so at university, I did media and performance. And as part of that, I did quite a lot of theatre. 
and I always loved directing and working with actors and things like that. Um, but on leaving university, I went and worked in television um, for a couple of years because I had an idea that I wanted what to did do. You, where did you, who did you work for? Did you work so for I a production worked, company? Or? Um, majorly in children's television. Um, so for some different independents, I also worked for Granada, for Channel... I did quite a lot. Back then, they did Channel 4 Schools was a big strand. So I did quite a lot of work on a couple of programmes for Channel 4 Schools. Um, can, I, can I just... My understanding with how the, school, the TV companies work is like... Nowadays, most of it, they outsource to like a private production company that makes a, a kind of show and kind of sells it to the, to the channel or, or the channel pays them to produce it. Is that, is that kind of how it works typically? Yes, may, mainly. And particularly nowadays it does. I mean, this is, I'm talking like 20 years ago, but even back then I was working for an independent on the Channel 4 Schools um, programme. So Channel 4 would commission um, this independent production company who would make the programme. Right. For them. So yeah, that's mainly how it works. And and, and like everyone's everyone's basically self-employed who, who works on these. You come together, do the project, and then you look for the next project. Is it, does it kind of typically exactly. work like that? Yeah, yeah. So I moved around. I did different contracts, um, and then a uh, number of things happened. And for one reason or another, um, myself and my then boyfriend, now husband, decided we wanted to set up our own media company. So less focused on television, more focused on corporate corporate production. Yeah, uh, work. So we did that. One of the reasons being going back to the north of England because we were based in Manchester, working. I was working on the TV contracts in Manchester, but back then everything was going down to London, and there wasn't a huge amount going on in Manchester. Granada was closing, um, and ironically, now everything's come back to Manchester, um, the BBC and stuff in yep. the last ten years. But back then, like I say, in sort of two thousand and one, two, it wasn't really there wasn't much going on in Manchester, and I did a few TV contracts in London, and I didn't enjoy living in London at all. It just wasn't. I, I, you know, I, I spent three years in London and I loved it up to a point. I liked it the first two years, I had an amazing time. And then I was just like, oh, I'm never going to save yeah. any money in this city, you know, unless I. Exactly, and yeah. Corporate entertainment, like, what, what does that mean in terms of a business? Like, what was, who, who were your customers and, and how did you start this company? What, what does it actually, exactly. I don't know really what you mean. That company was more media production. Well, it still is. It's still, you know, we still run it now. So that's, it's video production. It, we did a lot of educational resource creation, corporate videos and events, filming events and event production on the corporate side. So um, so, that, so that was what we did. Uh, so we set that up sort of, you know, early 2000s. Um, and that company still runs now. And what's, is, what's, the, what's the website for this company? I'm curious. It's capture1.co.uk. Sorry, I can't, didn't hear that. Sorry. Sorry, it's capture1.co.uk. Cap, capture1. Yeah. So that's um, and that that's a great you know great company we've uh, we've had you know some really nice contracts nice clients we we you know it's a, it's a really great business to run because you get to meet so many different businesses and sectors and the educational work we've done there has been fascinating we've created some resources for people like Cambridge University Press you know like educational resources using video and interactivity and all that kind of thing so it's 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 a really nice company just out of interest i couldn't get in, i couldn't access your website capture1.co.uk it says your access to this site has been limited couldn't get in there just 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 a just a heads up <laughs> it doesn't seem to be working right now oh that's weird is okay. it capture like c-a-p-t-u-r-e number one yes okay yeah, yeah. anyway just just so you know <laughs> i couldn't get in I'll just have a quick... oh, maybe because no, i'm coming from the czech republic maybe you've got some firewall red flag is in, oh, in okay 
yeah because i've just gonna yeah i've just got on it now okay mm, okay sorry I'll love so so you so you started this company and this was like and you were kind of getting contract how were you sell how were you doing your sales for this like how were you getting customers very early on actually i met a guy a business coach guy who specialized in networking and he introduced me to a few different networking groups and obviously this was back in you know before any social networking or any online stuff was was there. so i really massively got into networking so basically i spent you know next few years i was everywhere in manchester liverpool so let, let's jump place. into this because this is a great topic like you obviously you, you it worked for you and networking's yeah. kind of like a it's a topic that you've got to be careful because some people can find it a bit you know you don't want to be one of these guys that's trying to meet everyone but what what did you learn from from this networking coach that helped you like what, what what are some tips on how you actually networked and got customers so i learned that i mean kind of a cliche but it's all about relationships so you know it's not about walking into a room and going this is what i do and do you want some or not it's about really getting known um and getting known for what you do the know like and trust establishing a reputation people going oh that's the go-to person for that they do really good work they you know and and, and being there and being present and being visible. I mean, in fact, the the, the guy that I'm talking about called Will, Will Kintish, he's a networking trainer, networking guru, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, one of his, um, I always remember one of the first things he used to say to me, he said, Helen, strategy for survival is visibility. Yeah, and I that's a great point. Yeah, nowadays I still live by that. You've got to be present. You've got to be visible. You know, people have to know about you and have to believe in you, not, you know, not in an annoying way. Um, I think the other thing that I've always really thought is important, which is a simple point, is just listening to people. So whenever I go out networking, pe seeing people, and now even you know online or whatever, it's a, it's about really listening to what their issues are, what spotting the aha moments, the opportunities, and then being able to talk to them about that and see how we might be able to help with that. So I've always kind of you know from an, from the early days, that's what I focused on really. Um, and helping other people, you know, I think when you help other people, you introduce people, um, you look look at helping them with their issues, then, you know, you, you get stuff back in return for it as a kind of natural force of the universe. It's true. I've read, I've only read one book on networking. It's called Never Eat Alone. I don't know if you heard of this book. It's a really interesting no, book. Really good. I read it years ago. And I, okay. I, I remember I used quite a few things in there. I mean, it had a lot of really good advice on on conferences, you know, how to get contacts from conferences yeah. and things. And, um, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I think I'm, I go through phases of networking when I'll, I'll like when I'm kind of starting a new venture or a new, a new area of the business or something, I'll, I really wanted to meet a lot of people. Then I'll kind of like just stop doing it for quite a while. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. the best way is just to keep it, to keep it consistently going. Cause then you get to the point, Oh, I need to meet more people again. And, and yeah. you know, like I'm looking yeah. at, I've got, I've got good long-term Contacts, which is which is what you want to get from networking, you know. But but there's Definitely. always you're always closing yourself. I feel I'm closing myself off to getting more good long term contacts sometimes. Well, it's interesting because actually in about um, about 2010, 2009, 2010, um, I had some personal issues happen. Quite a number of things that meant I dropped off the networking scene completely for a couple of years. Um, and really was only doing the bare, bare minimum work stuff, you know, to keep um, ahead above sort of ground as you do. Um, and then when I kind of got back in sort of 2011, 2012, I was like, right, you know, you need to get back into this now. Kind of things are a little bit more stable. I revisited a lot of the contacts that I previously had through the networking, some of the groups I'd used to go to. And it was amazing how easy it was to sort of 
because I'd been quite active in a lot of groups and I'd known a lot of people, you just can't, people are nice, people are helpful, people are, you know, oh, great to see, great to hear from you again. And you just resurrect those contacts. And I just think it really shows that it's so important if you're genuine and you're not just going in trying to just sell people, you know, one off um, and then move on. If you're genuine about having connections with people, then those connections stay alive for a long time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got, um, I mean, I've been running this apps events, which is our, you know, Google, Google education partner. We run Google events around the world and I've been running that since I guess 2010 really kind of started it. And it's, it's now mm. 2019 when we're recording this. And like a lot of the people I'm working with now are from like from the first year, you know, tons of, I've got friends who have worked in five or six different, five or six different places and we're still working together. Um, but then, then, you know, I, I realize that like, I'm not, probably doing as much as I was in the beginning when I got these really good contacts, you know, it's like, you know, because once you get some really good connections and, and, you know, when you kind of, your work's kind of full up, it's, you know, you, you, it it takes a back seat of getting new contacts. I'm always aware of it. It's good to keep it going, even if it's just a sort of side thing in the, in the background, you know? Definitely. I I think also that with events, you do have to be careful, and particularly nowadays, you do have to be careful. You could literally be going to, you know, morning, lunchtime evening you could be you know when you've got now i've got a family i can't now i don't go to as many events i can't um because i physically because i'm you know having to take the kids to all their stuff as well you know yeah um, i'm i'm in an interesting situation because i live i live in prague and i work globally you know so i do travel quite a bit but i've, I've got a young son now so so less yeah. but but i i don't i don't really do any any work in the place where I live, I, I do, I do some things and I go to some events, but I don't feel any kind of local pressure because, you know, for me yeah. to go somewhere, it's quite deliberate. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going somewhere for something specific. So it doesn't happen as much, you know, I don't yeah. have the sort of time consuming, like when I'm at home, I'm just pretty much, you know, hanging out, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation, you know, in, in that, and if, if you have a business like yours, it's very local. Like you obviously, you've got to be ready to, to go to a lot of these events close by. Yeah, although I'd say now with the um, with the children's events company, we're a bit more national, so I, do, I don't network as much now for that. Right. Um, well, let, let, let's get into that, how, how that happened. So, so for, let's let's take up the story where it was. You you started this event, Capture One, and, and how was that going? And, and what, what did you? How did you kind of transition away from or expand it to do other stuff? So, uh, I mean, a number of, of things happened, sort of personal life and, and, and various, you know, recession hit and various things happened. That so that was two, the 2008 stopped. recession, which kind of yeah, hammered everybody. Yeah, and, yeah. and did that, did that, I mean, that, that, that pretty much wiped out a lot of my business. Was it the same to you? Really, yeah, we made redundancies. It really, really hit us hard, actually. Um, and that same year, I just had my first child. Um, we then had, we then quite quite shortly after had a second child who had a lot of health issues as a baby and was very poorly and was in hospital quite a lot then my mum passed away so we had in the period of about three years we had the recession and all that stuff happening and myself and my husband were in the business together so it's our own income so it was a pretty stressful time it was you know it, it wasn't easy um we managed to keep the business going because we had to, we didn't have any choice, you know, it was our livelihood. Um, but we needed to, so at the time we'd, you know, we were employing 10 people. We had quite big offices, nice, you know, all the nice setup you have as an agency, you know, back, back then a lot of companies were, you know, had that. And we had to let a lot of that go because we, we just realized we had to, to just focus on us and, um, and what we uh, could sustain really comfortably going forward. Um, but I think it was interesting because 
the actual industry was changing a lot anyway. So the way people were commissioning projects that we were doing was changing. Um, so we realized that it all kind of came together at the same time. We realized the restructure naturally kind of, you know, was, a, was a good thing in the long term. It's, it's interesting. My, my first business was very much like that. We had an office and, and 14 full-time employees. And, and yeah. the thing that changed for me, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I read the, the, the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah. was, that was the life-changing. I'm like, I'm going to run from now on a virtual business. I'm going to work with people all around the world. I'm yeah. not going to have an office. I'm not going to have fixed costs. I'm going to work with contracts wherever possible. Although you know, now exactly. we, we do have full-time people. But that was the light thing to me. And I realized I never want to have those kind of overheads again. Yeah. So that's because, you, you know, you, can, you have a few bad months and you've ten, like you had 10 employees. You can get wiped out pretty quickly, you know. Absolutely. And also it's the stress of managing other people full-time. Yeah. We found, it uh, actually happened for us, it was fortuitous that a, a couple of our employees went freelance when we made them redundant. So we still worked with them, they were at, but they were freelance staff. Yep. And it was just so much easier to not have to, you know, be managing them on a day-to-day basis, but yep. they were still be, being able to deliver what they could do, which they were good at, which was the production side. It just, it changed everything. It made it so so much less stressful for us in terms of, like you say, income, um, you know, you're having to, you're not having to generate fees just to pay the overheads. Yeah. I mean, I had a point once we, I mean, we, me and myself, my co-founder, we weren't even paying ourselves. It was the most depressing thing in the world. Yeah. We'd go in the office, this is 2008 and, you know, we had 14 people there and, and like, we were working really hard. We weren't even paying ourselves. And we were like, we're paying all yeah. these other people. We're not, like, why don't we just go, we were just like, why don't we just get a job? You know, this is crazy. Exactly. Yeah. We've had moments like that. It's, you know, it's hard. And you wonder why you're doing it, don't you? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, but you know, and, but, and that was literally the time I read the four hour work week, which just changed my entire well, philosophy. It's, it's weird because I read the four hour work week at that time as well. Yeah. So yeah, a real. Amazing how many guests on this podcast have read that book. It's, it's a, well, Dad yeah. and Rich Dad Poor Dad over two kind of. Oh, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book that we read, the first business book that literally like really changed everything. Oh my god, that was like. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a good book about Robert life Kodak. and investing and how to just to try yeah. to get assets. Oh. But yeah, they did generally. So so let's get on. So so this somehow led you so, to start your children's company, or what was the stages? So we, so I guess a lot of this stuff that happened personally, business, everything, it, it calls you to reevaluate what do we want to do long term? What was my purpose? All that kind of, I was reading a lot. I was really, you know, I, I guess I wasn't enjoying stuff as much as maybe I had. I wasn't enjoying my work as much as I had been. And we were, I was looking at what really am I passionate about. And I'd wanted for a long time, I'd wanted to write a children's books anyway so I thought oh I've got this idea for a children's book I'm just going to write this children's book and see what happens um so we did that and because we'd originally had a background in theatre and we have all these actors that we work with on the the corporate side so we've got some really great actors and performers who work with we I wrote this children's book I thought oh you know maybe we could create a storytelling show out of this and at this point I had you know two young kids myself so we were in that world of going taking them to stuff going to family events thinking you know I'd always go to something and think oh this isn't that great or I'd do this better or I could do this or where's the engagement and I just felt like there was a real gap in the market for engaging imaginative sort of children's children's events so um so got this book we got this story and we said let's let's put on a storytelling show and see what you know what happens just as a bit of a 
market research, you know, exercise. We know a bit about events. We've got the, the agency. We can create the videos and stuff to promote it. Let's do it. So we did that. And we did it at several venues in the Northwest over a period of a summer. So just let's just jump into these events. So how, you said you did it at several venues. So were you, did you get someone to pay you a fee to come and run an event or were you selling tickets yourself or what was the process? We, how did you, because yeah, so, obviously I want, I want, I always want to get on this podcast into kind of actionable yeah. tips for people who might want to do something similar. What was the whole process of, of running these events? Just, if you don't mind? I mean, I'm very much a kind of, I just take action and do stuff and I suppose I'll often think about it later, which you have to take, <laughs> you have to take massive action to run. These exactly. Um, so we just kind of, I just got, I identified some venues that I thought were, uh, were able, we were affordable enough for us to be able to do it in the venue without any particular. So we didn't have, to, I looked at getting funding and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, do you know what? It's just going to take so long, so much paperwork. You know, I can't be bothered. I just want to do it and see if it works. So basically there's um, a few theater venues and a couple of, um, well, a, a couple of sort of fringy theater venues that we went yeah. with. And then a couple of like museum-y type family places. Yeah. Um, so basically I just, each what I just booked them. So we hired them. Um, so obviously we were investing and, and, but it wasn't a huge amount. It was, sure. you know, it would cost us about 200 pounds to hire it for the day. Yep. Um, so each one, so I think we did it at, I think it was six or seven different places. It's cause I was testing out the geography as well, which is why. And how, was- how were you then finding an audience to come? How were you promoting? I guess you set up a website and started using, I guess, Eventbrite or something to sell the yeah, tickets. Is that right? Yeah. We used Eventbrite for that first one. Yep. Um, and yeah, we set up a really basic website, which was rubbish um and i use i just started to use facebook which i didn't really know a huge amount about then because i hadn't really i used it a bit personally but i hadn't used it for our business really but i did i um set up facebook events and i just promoted it you know on facebook i think back then facebook was a bit easier to get a bit of traction with particularly with events and stuff. I think now... So you... you cause I'm actually just looking now. At, I'm very... I haven't really, never really created... We've, I've had Facebook groups and Facebook pages, but I'm just now creating events on there. So you you created events and then do you start inviting people to the yeah. event or did you, did you use fa- Facebook ads to target traffic? Uh, no, there? I didn't use any Facebook ads back then. I just... Um, I, I, I We did... We did flyers. We did quite a bit of old school stuff. So in the yeah, area, so to tell, tell me about the old school stuff as well. So you, you you made flyers and did you hand them out like at local businesses around the venue? Yeah, I went. So I went to. There's an area in Manchester called Chalton, which is quite a kind of lively um, family um, area. Bit alternative, you know that kind of bit. Of, you know, lots of alternative in, independent cafes and things like that. And one of our venues was there. It was a little independent theatre sort of um, cooperative venue there. So I basically took a load of flyers to Chalton and took them into the cafes and, you know, put them up and we put posters up and things like that. Um, I I took them to toddler groups. So I looked at what the target. So our, our target market was under tens, um, but a lot of it was kind of preschoolers so i went yep. to the toddler groups and put out you know leaflets there um well i did pay for a little bit of advertising in some local um sort of family style publications but not a huge amount like on, on, offline or online publications offline. Off. so okay yeah. so let, let's break down so i'm because i'm always curious how pe- this is always the biggest question events how to get people to come so you were doing facebook promotion you were doing old school taking flyers around you know children's yeah. groups and cafes and you were doing some 
paid advertising a- anything else and if, and if not like which of these three like how would you break down what was the what had the so biggest this, impact i think so this was in 2015 i think probably the facebook was the biggest really Probably the Facebook and the flyers yeah. were, you know, were the two biggest kind of draws. What was interesting was that we gave ourselves, I think, eight weeks to market each event, but they were through the summer, and I did kind of expect there would be a little bit of um, last-minute flurry depending on weather. And one of the weeks was, and I expected this to happen. It happened as I, uh, fortuitously. It was it was quite rainy. Yeah. One of the weeks, and we got loads of last minute the night before bookings, because obviously people are like, oh, it's raining. What we're going to do, my kids? We yeah, yeah, yeah. Walls, la la la. So, so that was interesting. Um, I mean, I think the Facebook has always been really, so in our events, we've run a Christmas event the last three years, which has been really big and that we sell tickets for. And Facebook has been the the biggest, by far the biggest driver of ticket sales for that. Um, So I would think, I would say overall for our ticket sales of our events, Facebook's been the biggest, um, uh, you know, the biggest success for selling tickets, but I'm not convinced that's going to stay that way. Sure. Well, let's jump back into the story. So you did oh, these initial yeah. events, you did these marketing, and, and I guess you, you made some money, enough money to, to keep, to realize the business had some kind of legs and, and run more um, of it. Yeah, we only really broke even, actually. So, uh, well, we made, it depends if you take into, you know, paying us and, and things like that. Sure. Um, but because we did it quite low key, we didn't spend a huge amount on the event itself. Um, we made a little bit of money and on top of it, a little bit of profit. But like I say, if you take into account paying us, yeah, then, yeah. No, but you know, but yeah, we did make a bit of profit. But some of the, it depends. Some of the areas sold less than others. So some of the areas only broke even, whereas the other areas, you know, made a bit of profit. Sure. And that then taught us a lot about geographical areas, you know, the de- the density of people and where people travel to and things like that. So that was really useful. And, and did, it, so, did it work out, was it like the higher income places or was it the most densely populated areas that were generally worked out? most densely populated and easiest to get to. And also places that already have, and this is really important, I think, places that already have a perception around them as somewhere you might go with families. So what we found is if somewhere was a little bit more random as a a venue or a place you might go with your family, it didn't sell as well. And we still find that now. So we had a partnership going with for a couple of years for one of our Christmas events and it's done really well because people know the place and they go, oh yeah, it's there. Whereas we had, we ran one year, we ran at um, our Christmas event in Manchester City Centre at a bit of a random venue. And even though it was in the city centre, we had a bit of a harder time selling because people were like, where is that? We're not really sure. Right. So, so how did you grow this into a business like from these initial events? What, what were kind of next, next stages? Um, next stage, so we well we started doing children's parties actually because so, we. So that's that's a different model. You're not sell, at this point. You're not selling tickets. A, a, a no. family or a, or, or somewhere is paying you to to host a, a party. Yeah, so we started to do that, and that was that's always been more of a kind of it's something we can make income out of reasonably easily. Yep. It's not particularly. It's not a long term business model for us. 
just to step in here quickly to mention our sponsor, EventsFrame, a project I'm co-founder of, and I want to mention our integrations, which we believe are the best available. Firstly, payment integrations. You can connect any payment gateway, such as Stripe, PayPal, on Braintree, or even bank account or take cash. You can connect everything to EventsFrame. We also have the best marketing integrations out there with every email marketing system, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip. And we've got deep integrations with all the social media platforms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter. We've got thousands of events live on EventsFrame right now, ranging from small community meetups to huge trade shows and conferences. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com. And now, back to the interview. I guess um, it's less hassle. You're not, you're not selling tickets. You've, you've, the money is, you've got a fixed fee. You know what your costs yeah. are. That's it. Yeah, but it's a difficult business to scale because it's, you know, it's weekend work. Sure. You're relying on performers being reliable. If performers are sick or don't turn up, you have a real issue because you've got a child's birthday party that you need to fulfill. Um, Did, yeah, does, does that happen? I mean, do you get, I mean, how, I don't know, like in terms of compared to the public at large, I would expect performers to be pretty reliable because that's their job to turn up. Like, oh, is that not the case? Uh, generally they are 90% of the time but there's always a time I mean at Christmas just gone we had one of our performers at a Christmas event lost her voice after like halfway through the run yeah Um, so she like texts me I've got laryngitis she I rang her she literally couldn't I mean bless her she you know wasn't her fault she'd lost her voice she was like I could come and be she was playing an elf it was at uh, Elf Adventure Challenge event. Um, she said, I could be mute. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, so luckily, we with the Christmas event, because we run it at consecutive different venues at the same time, and not consecutive, sorry, um, simultaneous venues yeah. at the same time, and it's quite a big operation, we always make sure we have someone booked who's a floater who can basically, because we can't, yeah, you know, if someone like that case, she's lost her voice, you can't suddenly be without a performer when you sold loads of tickets. Same as, you know, any theatre production as an understudy or whatever. So we always have a floater person who we've booked who can step in um, oh. and do that. So so that was, a, so generally that's what happens. But with parties, it's been more difficult. And I see with the parties on your website, you've got like, a, you have a bunch of standard themes so they can, people can pick like, I want this kind yeah. of theme of a party. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that so part is fine, but it's not really the the main main driver of our business at all. The event side is what really what we love and what we're scaling really. So yeah, so we then we have a big thing about Christmas in our family. We love Christmas, and um, we went on a trip to Lapland, and I met with a guy who runs a who runs Santa Park there, which is you know obviously an elf santa themed um venue which is amazing and he was really really great actually really inspirational and seeded this idea for us that oh you know we could run a christmas event actually use our because what we're really passionate about with what we do with kids and the, the events we run is making it really engaging active entertainment so the kids are doing stuff so we don't do theater shows where the kids sit and sure. just watch it's about them actually getting involved, doing skills games, making it themed, getting them being imaginative. And tra- generally, they train to be an honorary character of what the theme is they're doing. So for our dinosaur-themed events, they, they train to be an honorary uh, ranger. 
for the space themed stuff, they're trained to be an honorary astronaut. And so for the Christmas themed stuff, we thought, you know, elves are really big. Everyone obviously has a Santa. Santa's everywhere, Santa's grottos, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of, as a parent, you're like, we're going to see Santa once. Maybe some people are going to see him twice, but I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> um, but then what do you do if you want to do other Christmas of it? And we, we just think there's so much more to, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to always be about Santa. So we um, chatting to the, the people in Lapland, and I really got a lot of inspiration from them. We said, oh, why don't we create an event that's around elves, creating sort of an elf school type thing, not about Santa, but about being, a, you know, an elf. Elves have such great qualities. And it could be really interactive and really fun. So that's what we so we created the Elf Adventure Challenge, um, which essentially was you know you, the children come and they train to be an elf by doing a series of games and um, challenges. Um, so it's a little bit like you know we we love things like the Crystal Maze and you know the, the breakout sure. and things like that now that are, are quite big. So it's a bit like those concepts, but but for under tens. Um, so I guess Christmas for you now with this, because you said you're running this in parallel in multiple places, is that's, it's, you have like a crazy, everyone has times of year, but I guess Christmas for you is, is a busy time. It is, yeah, yeah. And it's now expanded into Halloween as well. So we created, um, last year we created a Hocus Pocus Adventure Challenge, which is a similar similar concept. You train to be a wizard. And because Halloween's so big now, we so basically from kind of October onwards, generally, so last year the event, the venues we did we did hocus pocus adventure challenge in october in the beginning of november and then we did elf adventure challenge starting in december right um so and, and how are you like fast forward to like current date how are you what's different about how you're getting attendees now like how are you obviously before you were doing the, the flyers you were doing some facebook promotion non-paid and you're doing some old school advertising like what what would be the breakdown in 2019 um, so obviously we've now got an audience and a mailing list, so that helps. Right. Um, so you, you, you've got a newsletter and things. Have you to go yeah, out to these people? Yeah, got a list of people who have bought tickets in the past and come to. You know, we generally have people are. There's a field when people buy tickets. Like last year, people buy Elf Adventure Channel tickets. They say, "Where do you hear about us?" And a good proportion of them are like, "Oh, we came last year. We come again." Yes. People come again and again. So that's really good. Um, also we are do because we've been established a few years and we've got sort of proven success in what we're doing. We're working with better venues. And, um, so like one of the venues we're hoping, well, we're just negotiating with at the moment that we should be working with, um, is a very big venue and they've got, um, obviously a massive mailing list. Um, and because we've got a proven success of the event, they want to work with us. They want to bring us in. So obviously we're going to go out to their you know, 40,000 strong mailing. That's great. So the venues are actually giving you their, yeah. or they're mailing you about your events to their list. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so because we've got sort of credibility behind us and the, the, the proof that what we do works, better venues are wanting to bring us in, basically. Right. So that's what is the tipping point for us. So it's no longer so much that we're just having to hire small places and put it on and get, you know, handfuls of people that bigger better venues who already have the um the market credibility that they're recognized by families of somewhere to go they're saying to us can you come in and put this on because you're because what we're really good at is engaging families is families coming with their kids and having a brilliant time and yeah. going, wow that was brilliant we feel great you know they've learned something they've you know had a really engaging you know high energy filled hour 
that was fantastic. That's what we're good at. And, you know, with the best film world, most venues don't generally do that because that's not their specialism. You know, they don't have performers on board. They don't have in-house directors. They don't have the creative visionary sort of skills that we have. So bringing us in to do that works much better for them because they don't have to worry about that. They just have to worry about, you know, providing the cafe, providing the... The, you know the the facilities the good playground all that kind of thing and we provide the actual entertainment fantastic so are you doing much social media advertising nowadays yeah um i like i say facebook has it was interesting so last christmas 2018 i did experiment actually with not doing much printed advertising the year before i'd done quite a lot of print advertising yeah. and last year i thought do you know what i'll just do it all digital because does anyone reprint now? I'm not sure they do. And I had this, you know, conversation with myself, with my, yeah. you know, with my husband about, you know, and we said, okay, we won't do that. Um, I think it it did actually make it harder for us that we didn't do any print advertising. Really? Because it's interesting. Everyone says, yeah. everyone asks me to, to say they just don't do any print advertising, but obviously it's not always dead. No, it's not, particularly not in the family game. So there's a number of publications that, um, that go out to sort of primary schools in book bags and things like that. That So I didn't advertise them this year. And I think in hindsight, it definitely did affect ticket sales. Um, not massively, as in we still sold tickets, but I think it was harder. We, I, to, I was doing so much more online. And I was like, why is it, you know, we, this, there's a pocket of ease that we had last year that's not coming through. And I think it might have been down to the print. Because as a parent... You know, it comes to that time of year and you want an easy guide to see what you can do with the kids. And a lot of these publications, they go out in, in primary schools or you pick them up in a local cafe or, you know, when you're out and about. And you can very easily go through the printed calendar and go, oh, I can see this is on, this is on, this is on. That's really good. And you highlight and then you go to the website to book. It's true. You know, um, what? it's interesting because I guess relevant to me that like we've just moved to Rostock. It's a village just outside Prague. And there's like a local Rostocky magazine you know that i guess the council or someone makes it and my mm. wife just loves it she's always reading and and, yeah. and and naturally there's stuff kind of probably similar to what you're doing there's there's like kids events and there's family events and there's things with like the local fire department will come and they'll do something with the children and, and like and then next now we've got a, you know a young child he's, he's too young for this now but soon like and she's like i go home and she's telling me about all these events and so like she does you know and, and she's like yeah. younger than me yeah. as well so it's, it's interesting that she she's really into this local magazine and for me i wouldn't even register to, to read it you know absolutely so it's all about the market isn't it yeah. so yeah for a lot of you know businesses it just print would not be relevant at all but what i've learned is in the family market i think it is relevant yeah. um and particularly, you know, you're out with the, you know, if you're out with the baby or out with the toddlers and you're in a cafe and, okay, you, you know, yeah, a lot of people will go on their phone. But if there's a magazine there to flick through and go, oh, what's that? What's on? Then you will do that. True. Um, so, yeah. Great. Now, just to close things off, like, I'm always curious how people kind of run their businesses. Um, like, do, you, uh, do you guys work from home or do you, do you have an office? Or how, and, and do you like, do you just work with a bunch, obviously you have a bunch of actors who are all freelance. Do you, do you have any staff or do you just run this as a husband and wife team? So um, we are husband and wife team as the full-time team. And then we have, I have a, a VA who does my um, bookkeeping and the boring stuff. <laughs> so she's obviously con she's a contract to me and she's amazing. She's worked with me for years and I literally couldn't live without her. Um, and where's your VA located? 
she well she's actually only located in Warrington. So okay. <laughs> but um, I don't very often see her um, physically. We just yep. communicate. Yeah, that's just kind of happens to be. Great. Um, we have we do have an office. We have a small office which is around the corner in the village, um, which is good because often so. So my husband, Brett, does the um, production side of, of what we do. And it's he will go there to, to do the head down concentrating stuff. And we have a lot of our kit there as well. So all our video production kit, edit suites, things like that. Um, and I personally, I could work at the office, but I often work at home just because I find it that's where my space is that I feel more, more relaxed, more comfortable. Um, and then we have three quite large storage units that we pay because we have a lot of stuff for our so basically for our events we've invested in a lot of equipment a lot of props resources costumes because they're based on like I say interactivity we have loads of props and loads of set and things like that that we use for different things so yeah. as you can imagine we have a lot of stuff so in in warrington town center we hire three big storage units which um we have a 24-hour access which is great so we can get in at any time get what we need um and they're really secure so for all our av equipment and stuff it's good great um so yes yeah, so we do that and then we have yes yeah, some brilliant performers who are all freelance um who you know, but, you know, work with us um, really regularly. So we have really good relationships with them. Um, and we, we always are recruiting new performers, though, because people come and go, people go abroad. But, you know, that's the nature of that industry. Uh, people, some, some of them decide to stop being performers and get a full-time job, but sometimes we'll do part-time stuff still. It's kind of the nature of that sector. So I'm always interested to hear from new performers, new actors, um, who we can bring on board as well. Have you, had, an, have you had any actors of work with you who've like gone on to become famous? Anyone we might have heard of? Um, probably no. I mean, people who we've worked with have like are in. They'll pop up on like BBC dramas. And yeah, yeah. Something yeah. the other day, and we're like, oh, that's and like, oh, you know, he's a policeman. That's brilliant. But I didn't realise he was doing that. And so you do. People are in TV stuff, but. Um, no, not in the last few years. Um, I haven't had anyone who's sort of gone on to Hollywood, unfortunately. <laughs> Although, having said that, my daughter's um, go. She's um, <laughs> and she's ten, and she's got her own YouTube channel. She's on some B been on some BBC programs, and she's been a presenter on Taste Made and fantastic all sorts. Just on Hollyoaks last week, so she's hopefully going to be, you know, part of the family business. Actually, just to finish, you know, just to say, our, our children are a really big part of our business. So obviously we do family events, so it's for children. So they, you know, they need to test everything out and be part of it and they love it. And so we've got a two-year-old and he is obsessed with that. We've got a song as part of our um, Elf Adventure Challenge event, which is a single, a Christmas single, which we launched. It's called the Elf March. And he is obsessed with it. Even now in June, it, every single day, he's like, Elf March, Elf March. And he wants to watch it and dance along to it and um he absolutely loves everything we do so it's it's a really good venture you know when we go to the kids right what should we do here or what's a good you know think of a good activity for this how could we incorporate that into this bit or let me try this story on you and they obviously they give us you know first-hand experience they go well that's brilliant because of that or why don't you try this mommy or my daughter will come out with the most creative ideas honestly that's why i love doing what we do with children they're just so creative when you really listen to them and really Definitely. take on board what they say, you can just get some amazing imagination. 
great. Well, um, yeah, that's great. And just, just in closing, like, how do you find it, like, working with your husband? Because I know for me, I, I just, I like to do separate things, my wife, and then we obviously meet up afterwards. I mean, do you, do you enjoy it or does it bring any kind of hassle, like, working as, as full-time in the same business? Or do you just divide the tasks so you're not kind of on each other's feet all the time? We do divide the tasks very much. So we, we both have our own skill set which are different and that works really well we've worked together so we've worked together for like 20 years and even at university we met university and we were doing projects together at university so we've always worked together so we've always had a very natural um knowing what each other's good at and how we fit together yep Um, having said that obviously it's a challenge sometimes you you know you need to switch off from work and say let's you know you go out for a meal and end up talking about work for half but then we're passionate about it we we love it so we don't mind it it doesn't, you know, we, it's, it's a great thing. What we love is that we have a holistic life. Everything is, you know, our children are involved in our business. Our business is, is our life, but we have a great, you know, we travel a lot. We, you know, we, we really do a lot of family, spend a lot of family time together. And we have a really great home life in terms of we're both around for the kids a lot. We have very flexible working. So I would say it's amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I couldn't imagine not working together. Great. Well, Helen, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you very much, Dan. Really appreciate it. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? EventsFrame event ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result, you sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 